Hey guys, it's another version of Flock and Gather. Welcome back. I think we're at about 70 or 75 podcasts at this point. This is Alan Scher. I'm your host. I run the Spa Industry Association with over 80,000 members scattered around the globe, but I'm not going that far from Phoenix today, only over to Santa Monica. We're going to talk with my friend, Peter Anderson. He is the principal at Anderson and Associates. A lot of people sure know him in our spa business. Hello, Pete. How are you today? I'm great, Alan. How are you? Well, I'm doing pretty good. I We're just starting to get near the 100 mark over in Phoenix. And so people are going, oh, can you believe the heat already? Well, as a northerner coming down here, it's warm, but it doesn't feel hot, hot to me. But the people who live here all the time, they already think it's hot. What am I supposed to do? They're just bracing for the worst, that's all. Well, and you know, Kathy and I moved here last year on a day that, it, and Rocco, don't let me forget the four-legged master of the, I always say I'm number three in the food chain at our home. So it's uh, Rocco first, Kathy second, and then me, okay? <laughs> we moved here on a day, it was 112 or uh, 113 degrees. And so I thought that was hot. And I've been in that from Palm Springs weather, but- it's not doesn't stop you from living and doing and going. In fact, a few days after we moved in, I called to get a, a massage at a local place here. And she goes, yeah, we're booked out for the next five days. It's like, what? You know? <laughs> but it's like going, remember when we were growing up and pe- your parents would take you to the movie theater when it was hot out? That's so right. they, right, because it was cool in the theater and then they didn't have to run the air conditioner at full blast for a couple hours, you know? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Well, nature of our beast. So wait, tell me, I forgot if I ever asked you, are you a California citizen by birth? Uh, No, I grew up back east, the northeast, Boston, Philadelphia, lived in New York. Uh, But I migrated to California in my early 20s and have been and out of here you know, for the balance of my adult life. So wait, what made you escape Boston? I love Boston. You know, one of my daughters is a nurse up there and I I love everything about Boston, but how did you escape to the left coast? Well, I was a military officer. I had an ROTC scholarship. So I I chose to be stationed in San Diego. (laughs) It was was a big jump. That's a good choice though, wasn't it? Well, it was because I figured Europe was an easier place to see by land than Asia and so I used the government to um, to live in Asia for a couple of years. Can I, how many years were you in the service? Five. Five. And can you, if you think back on that time, can you give me one or two things where you went, the best part of being in the service was? Exposure to the world. Uh, and that was domestic as well as international. You know, you grow up in your own pod. When you're in the military, you are, um, you're, you're exposed to, every stripe of society in the U.S. and abroad. So it was a, it was like an accelerated education. Um, and, and it was really quite fascinating. I love that. Would you say there are things you learned? I'm fascinated by the military. I never ended up there. And I'm at my age, our age, I was in between wars, right? So I didn't, I wasn't in any kind of draft or anything. But I'm, I'm fascinated by military and equipment and all the stuff that goes on because it reminds me of spa operations. <laughs> well, there is, a, there is a strategy and a coordination that is very similar. 
you know, opening a spa, storming a beach, you know, you could make a lot of, uh, a lot of metaphors. Um, would you, when you think back, is the training you would have learned in the service, have you applied that in your consulting practice as you go forward? Oh, absolutely. I think the big thing really is when you're dealing with more with operation, well, when you're dealing with developmental consulting, real estate consulting, you realize that there's a, um, you know, there is a way things have to be done and there's a logical flow, you know, your PERT chart, you can't go from A to D, you have to go through B and C. So there's a tremendous amount of planning. And when you're coordinating the opening of a spa or a resort, um, you have to be respectful of that and think three or four steps ahead and have contingency plans. So in that regard, um, there's a lot of similarities from a, from a logistics and physical structure perspective. When you're dealing with operations, um, I think that the difference or the issue that I uh, often draw upon is that everybody is motivated differently. And you know, we come into the industry from a managerial perspective and that's a correct and it's reasonable, but that doesn't mean that that, that uh, line worker, therapist, esthetician, um, soldier, sailor are going to have the same motivation and the same perspective that, right. that we might have. So it's suspending your, your own reality and trying to get into somebody else's frame of reference. Well said. What did you do after the service? I went to hotel school. Oh, seriously? Where at? I, I uh, got my graduate degree in, um, in hotel administration at Cornell. Love it. Well, Cornell, I mean, the, nobody pumps them out better than Cornell, right? I mean, isn't that, the, is, isn't that the epitome of where you go when you want that hospitality degree? Well, that's what we say, um, yeah. but we're, <laughs> we're a little biased. I mean, the, the, the joke is you're always tested. Uh, your commitment to, to, to whatever you study at Cornell is tested because the, the, the environment is beautiful for both days of the summer and the rest of the time you're battling winter. Oh, I know. Well, listen, I'm a northerner at heart, right? So I totally completely understand northern New York. It's not much different than living in Minnesota, you know, in the winter. Other than you get way more snow, we just got way more cold living in Minnesota. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Tell me how um, Anderson and Associates came about. Well, I was actually, it's a, it's a two-pronged situation. When I went to hotel school about a month into my curriculum, I realized, uh, and with all due respect for anybody who works in a hotel, I realized that I would not be happy working in a hotel. And I pivoted to consulting and, and development because I thought it was more dynamic and, and, and quite frankly, a little more interesting and, and suited my, um, uh, my sensibilities. And so upon graduation, I started working for some of the major platforms. Uh, I mean, I've, I've worked for um, Laventhal and Horwath, which hasn't been around for decades, but yep. there was that and PKF and Arthur Anderson. And, um, and so understanding the business from that perspective was um, really kind of fascinating. But in the late, um, late 90s, early 2000s, I started getting clients that wanted a little more focus on their spa. I mean, this was years before anybody even attached wellness to the, the, um, the concept of spas and the spa industry. And um, what I realized is that I had studied enough on my own just for, for um, interest that I could, I could very easily, uh, with a little bit of self-training, 
um, segue my my uh, hotel and real estate background into spa operations and spa development. And um, in 2000 and 2000, uh, uh, PKF, now CBRE, hired me to um, into their Los Angeles office. And I said, this is great, but there's two things we need to pursue. One is spa development and the other is senior living. And after a couple of years, we didn't go there. Um, I said, I think this is something I really have a passion for. So I went out on my own and, and um, pursued those two things. You know, I always used to use the old expression that said, I, I'm completely unemployable by large corporations. So I had to do my own thing. Pretty right? much, pretty much. You know, in hindsight, I think I was probably um, five or six years ahead of the curve. And, and I don't see that. I don't say that in a good way, because if you're too far ahead of the curve, um, that's just as, as bad as being too far behind the curve. Right. Um, but the industry certainly has evolved since the early 2000s. And, you know, I'm just delighted that what we do with our clients is help them um, uh, help them be more robust in their execution of their concepts and really create environments that are healthy and, and moreover uh, safe and, and, emotionally as well as physically safe. Well, and I, I think going back to Cornell, you know, you stand in good company, right? I mean, Mary Tavachi and Nancy Griffin, a lot of people I know are Cornell um, grads and everybody speaks highly of it. So I think sometimes when you put your feet down early, you know, and you're in a good place, um, it helps you in the long run down the road as well. I want to address the word wellness for a minute because we all use it. What, Pete, what does wellness mean? Well, that's a great question. I mean, that's a $64,000 question, really, Alan, because there's, there's wellness and there's well-being. And these words are sometimes interchange, interchangeably used. But wellness um, is, has a lot of different metrics. I mean, we can look at it from an allopathic medical point of view, you know, when we go to our doctors. And wellness is about whether our numbers you know, fall within the acceptable range of, of whatever they're measuring. Um, uh, but, uh, but wellness also has um, uh, social and emotional components to it, which is really where we start to get into the concept of well-being. And I think one of the things that we have really been able to embrace as a, as a globe, certainly as a country during this last 14, 15 months of COVID is that there's a great link between well, wellness in terms of our health and well-being in terms of our mind. Do you know, oh boy, you say that extremely well. I, well, there we're back to well again, right? <laughs> um, I use the word a lot. When I tell people I'm in the spa business, I always say to them, you know, I say spa, but it's spa, salon, medical, spa, resort, aesthetics. It's all everything under the wellness umbrella, right? right? Which is how I like to tie it together. But you are right in the last 15 months, we've gone from kind of 2020 being just an X out on the calendar as far as a year goes to 2021 sort of having an asterisk next to it as we move through 2021 because it seems like it's we're five months into the year and we're still sort of just recovering and it may take a little bit longer. What I'm driving at though is people learned a lot about their own wellness and their own well-being over the course of this last year. A lot of people learn they can't be alone. They're just no good alone, right? right? 
A lot of people realize they actually use the downtime to get themselves well and that they liked having quiet time. I, I had someone say to me, they read more books in the last year than they have in the last five this last mm -hmm. year, right? So I, I like both of those. And I think that wellness and well-being, you mentioned senior living. I mean, I don't think you and I act like seniors yet. I eventually think we're going to we're going to get there again, right? By the calendar, they might call us seniors, but I don't feel um, like a senior. But we're all aging, mm -hmm. and we want to age uh, gracefully, correct? What say you? Yeah, oh, uh, absolutely. And, you know, I think even the concept of aging um, has changing um, because clearly there is the medical component. There's you know, there's a change in mobility, there's change in elasticity, there's different uh, endocrine levels in our systems. I mean, there's the physiology around aging, but there's also how we feel about aging. Um, you know, are we going to try new things? Uh, my, my sense is that a few generations ago, uh, there was a sense that you reach a certain age and your reality was predetermined that, you know, I'm a grandfather, I'm a great grandfather, I'm retired, I'm this, I'm that, and this is what I should be doing. And um, quite frankly, you know, being at kind of the, the end of the boomers um, uh, generation, we have a lot to, uh, we have a lot to be thankful for. And that sa the same iconoclastic attitude that uh, perpetuated sex, drugs, and rock and roll in the 60s yep. is changing what a 70-year-old looks like. Uh, right. what a 70 year old does. Um, and so I think aging is taking on a whole lot of different forms that were never expressed to us by our parents. Um, I think about my, my, both my parents are gone, but my mom was a live wire to the day she died. Never stopped. Always on the fly. I know that surprises people who know me. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad, I mean, my dad was in the retail business most of his life. And then he started a mail order business and practically worked the mail order business right up to the day he passed because he liked being in the action, right? And he thought it kept him alive and kept his brain working and active because he can continued to be out and about and was doing stuff along the way. Oh, exactly. Exactly. I mean, one of the biggest challenges we have with our seniors or big, the biggest shifts is that um, senior living environments have to remember that we don't want to warehouse our old people or, or our older people until they die. We need to have a we need to have an environment that is um, engaging and exciting because the more engagement we have, the younger we become. <laughs> my, my neighbor here is approaching 80. Mm -hmm. He plays golf four days a week. They, he has poker night with the boys. He and his wife are out to dinner with their friends. He tells me he's busier now at 80 than he was when he was 60 or 70. Probably, because when he was 60, he was probably going to bed early enough so he could wake up and go to the office. You know? <laughs> That's true. Well, we get, Kathy and I, I don't know why it is. Don't, it's not like farmers where we go down to sleep with the sun and rise with the sun, but I don't know what it is living in Arizona. I tend to get up at 5.30, quarter to six. I'm just up earlier and I don't, and I'm awake. I don't know mm -hmm. what it is. It doesn't even matter what time I go to bed. I still seem to wake up early, but I love having the front of the day. To me, the sun rising part of the day is a great part of the day to be alive. It's a good thinking thing. I can take a cup of coffee outside and listen to the birds 
uh, singing. I just really enjoy the morning as I as I get older, much more than I did when I was younger. Oh, I agree. I agree. It's a it's a fresh start. It really is a new page every day when yeah. you. Pete, what are tell me the why do people reach out to you for spa consulting? What what's the overriding emphasis of what you do? Well, there's a couple of things. First off, we have a deep background in in hotels and resorts. So there's a lot of people that work in resorts that don't really understand spa and vice versa. So we can create a very strong bridge between those two worlds. Um, and we can use the spa to monetize the, the, the resorts, which is, which is very helpful. It's a, it's a nice way to invest your, your um, development capital. Uh, secondly, um, we look at the spa business from a comprehensive perspective. I mean, uh, there are times when I am, um, I want to say, I admire my colleagues in the industry that learn spa by growing up in operations. And uh, they have a very different read on what spa is than I do uh, because of my background in it. And right. so, con so consequently, a lot of people that are operators will reach out to us because we provide uh, more of a 40,000 foot perspective on um, how to deploy capital, how to justify investment, how to calculate ROI, um, how to be on top of some of the um, uh, uh, trends. I mean, the, the, la the last piece that I, I believe gives us a distinct advantage is that we've worked all over, we, we've worked on almost every continent. And so we have a pretty, a pretty broad reach. And quite frankly, a lot of operators and a lot of developers reach out to consultants, not because we know more than they do. Quite frankly, they know more about their businesses than we do. Right. But we have the objectivity and the, and the scope to be able to bring things into their world. And, um, and, and I'm proud at the, the level of, uh, of reach that we have because of the work we've done. Um, so Peter, it sounds normally you would come in on the front end, right? When they're doing the thinking and the strategizing and the development and looking at space and everything else, correct? Often, but a lot of times that front end can happen 10 years into operations right. when they're realizing they have to reposition. There was a, a large spawn in Phoenix that um, was one of the first in the industry and 15 years after they uh, uh, opened, they realized that they were no longer at the front end. And so we came in to help reposition them. Um, so even though it was kind of in mid operations, uh, a lot of the same issues of, 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 um, of uh, new development were part of it. Pete, I have to tell you, I, I'm a huge fan of consultants because even when I was running my old businesses at New Life and Lotus Touch, you know, we were not an expert in warehouse racking. So when we wanted to re-rack re our 50,000 square feet, we brought in an expert in that area, right? We, when we were building out a sales team, I wasn't an expert in building sales teams. We hired a consultant. And so I hope uh, that from listening to you today too, that a lot of people will recognize that in my world, hiring a consultant makes gives you a way better shot at success success on the back end if you get the right help on the front end. 
Um, I, I would agree. I think one of the biggest challenges in hiring a consultant is hiring the right consultant for the job. Ah, well said. <laughs> and, and, and quite frankly, there's, you know, you have to have a frank discussion where this is where the client says, this is what I need done. And the consultant needs to be completely transparent to say, well, we can do this, but we don't do that. I mean, you, you got to be able to deliver on your promises. Yeah. We've been speaking with Peter Anderson today. He is the principal at Anderson Associates. I'm going to say for the moment, they do everything in consulting for your spa. So reach Pete, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Uh, probably, well, there's either, my, there's either my direct line. I can give that to you. Um, 310-702-3442. Got it. That was 310-702-3442. That is a good way to get to Pete. That is it, as our listeners know, you're a very easy gentleman to speak with, so they should fear not by reaching out to you. Um, Pete, we went today from Santa Monica to Phoenix to Boston to Philly to New York to Cornell. I think we've covered everything, don't you? I do. I do. Thank you, Alan. I think we've, uh, we've had quite a trip. Good. And I appreciate it. And I'm going to look forward to seeing you in person soon. Somewhere along the way, we will be gathering and I will look forward to it. Um, I, I as well. Thank you. It's a pleasure. And friends, remember, please be kind to one another.